Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, From Strength to Liability, the story of the 2021 Cardinals defensive backs. Injuries, yes, played a large role in that story. We look back at both the cornerback and safety positions. But first, the Pro Bowl, our thoughts, plus how the home team's representatives perform. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 534, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Full disclosure, Bird Gang, I did not watch the Pro Bowl as it happened. I was getting some stuff done around the house, and then MJ had picked up my phone and saw that Kyler Murray was trending, and immediately, negative reaction. I was like, really? What's going on? And then I find out, hey, he threw an interception, and it was returned for a touchdown. Now, I did go back and watch the entire game, but for me, it's not appointment viewing at 1 p.m. on Sunday. I did want to watch. I did want to see how five Cardinals players performed in that ball game, but I did find it interesting that literally five minutes into the ball game, all of a sudden, hey, Kyler Murray, same as usual. I was like, really, people? I mean, it's an exhibition game. Darius Leonard, 45-yard touchdown. Now, he probably could have been tackled, but it was two-hand touch at least until the last five minutes of the game. By the way, Darius Leonard missed that game in the regular season against the Cardinals on Christmas Day, and here he comes, and it's Leonard get with the interception. So I did find that interesting. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. And, uh, again, the winners get 80000 the losers get 40000 and usually it gets a little competitive, uh, you know, that last four or five minutes. But, man, um, I'm glad all those guys had a good time. I did enjoy the uh, skills competition, you know, kind of – some different things, you know, use, obviously they're protecting the players, but guys making crazy catches. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, I think he had 29 points when it came to just throwing these targets, and poor Mac Jones only had three or four. He was close. Um, but it was nice to see guys have some personality. Mac Jones definitely has personality. I, I like the way he interacts. You could tell he's well-liked. Um and then just seeing, you know, the Diggs brothers and, you know, Justin Jefferson, the Steelers had some players in there. Obviously, Max Crosby, great story there. Um, I just – I like to see all the smiling. And uh, when you get on the field, obviously, you're competing. But to see D.J. Humphreys playing right tackle, there was 274 jerseys on the line. Um, again, guys are going to wear their jerseys. And, and then looking at Chandler Jones dropping into coverage, uh, literally running down to the end zone. And then Kyler, I mean, he looked like he had a good time all week. You see he was smiling. Um, you know, he obviously got a chance to talk to Danny Sarecki, which we'll get into. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 nice to see some other guys. You know, we know Mark, Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in football, probably doesn't get the credit after Kelsey and um, Gronkowski, and then you throw in George Kittle. But, you know, you see uh, Justin Herbert in a different setting, so – I watched it, it was on, but I didn't watch it, like, closely. <laughs> you weren't um, taking notes. No, but, uh, again, it's 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 entertainment. It was a great venue. Vegas went all out. Um, you could see that everyone enjoyed it. Uh, it. It looked like some of the practices were cool just that time of the year. But, um, you know, it was interesting. Both the NHL and the NFL had their um, all-star, all-star games, games yeah. there now for the um, – 
NHL, they played on Saturday night, which is probably smart. And then the NFL, usually they like games in the afternoon. Maybe that was because it's been in Hawaii so many years. But the fact that it did start at 1 o'clock local time was kind of nice. Look, I think all the players that were there had a good time. And that's what you saw during the week. The game itself, 41-35, the AFC beats the NFC for their fifth straight season. I think it is what it is. Is I think what you said, entertainment. Now, as far as competition, there very rarely was any competition. I do think Micah Parsons, though, there was one hit, and then late in the game he tried to get that ball back for the NFC. But as J.J. Watt tweeted at the start of the game, (laughs) quote, I've seen walkthroughs more intense than this, laughing emoji. And he's absolutely right. It was less than half speed. There was no tackling, two-hand touch. And you wonder – Look, are you going to invest three hours on a Sunday to watch that game? You said you had it on, maybe paying it a little bit of attention. And you do like to see your hometown team represent and be productive. At the end of the day, though, this game is nothing like it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I don't know where they go next with this game. I haven't seen how well it was received as far as the television numbers, but it does always earn a great rating, whether it did this year or not. But as far as football, it is not football. It is a practice out there. It's almost like seven on none at times or 11 on none. Very rarely was there much contact between the offense and the defense. Well, it was on ABC, so you really didn't have to go looking for it. You know, obviously, sometimes it's been on ESPN, but it was on ABC. Uh, they were going against a golf tournament, um, kind of a celebrity, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the golfers, and you know, you had some nice names at the top of the board. But yeah, listen, the last thing you want to do is go there and get hurt. It's not worth it, and if somebody tears an ACL. See, here this thing is, if it's not worth for the players to get hurt, then why play the game at all? Well, they're playing 60%. But I'm saying, I mean, that's the argument because you're charging people to attend. Yep. You're making this a football game. It's being broadcast by the Monday Night Football crew. Yet if you're not getting the efforts from the players, then what's the purpose? That's the argument against this game. I think it's just to get everyone together, reward these guys that are not in the Super Bowl, that had good years. And we know Kyler obviously started off well, and, you know, obviously it didn't end well. But, you know, um, last year it was virtual, and Kyler was the MVP of that. And, you know, I'm sure – there's a lot of guys that play video games, and probably some guys that are married and have kids probably don't have the time to do that. So, um, there's I just like the fact that there was there was activities and festivities and events leading up to the game. So if you went in there and looked like the fans had great access to the practices, you could see based on azcardinals.com, um, they were getting autographs. Um, you know, I like the way they introduced the players. Um, it's never going to be perfect, but if you're playing 60%, and I know you can get hurt at any time, take a wrong step, but to me, when you're playing hard and you're trying to you know, show up, that's when the injuries occur. So I think as a gentleman's agreement, hey, we're just going to sit here and play patty cake. Um, we're not taking anybody down because that would be the worst thing, and then all of a sudden somebody gets hurt and they would cancel it again. Here are the numbers as far as what the Cardinals players did. Kyler Murray outside of that pick six, 18-27 for 160 yards and a game-high three touchdown passes, all on fourth down, by the way. James Conner carried the ball three times for three yards, had two catches for 13 yards. D.J. Humphreys, as you mentioned, MJ played both left and right tackle. Chandler Jones had one pass defense. Buda Baker did not register on the stat sheets, but I just 
like the fact that we got to see him because the last image of Buda Baker for anyone was seeing him carted off the football field in the wild card loss to the Rams. And there was a part of me, MJ, that was surprised to see Buda Baker play, even show up, figuring, you know, yeah, he was cleared and everything is good, but that was not that long ago. So as he put out on social media from the hospital bed and then later when he flew back to Arizona after that game in Los Angeles, yeah, full bill of health, he's good to go, and it was good to see Buda Baker on the football field on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, considering him and his girlfriend recently just had a baby, he had, a, he had a two or three different reasons to tap out, but maybe it was just good to put the uniform on. Plus, I mean, between him and Chandler, they're like, two comedians out there and then James Conner obviously is a guy that likes to chat it up and, and Kyler and then uh, we know that um, when it comes to uh, DJ Humphreys I mean he can carry his own conversation so you know it was, it was good to see him out there but if he tapped out uh, I would not begrudge him one bit just based on what happened and, and he does have a child at home now and, he, and he's really playing for her, him and his girlfriend eventually his family. Now what we talked about Going into this game here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, was the spot and choose, and I don't think that was really discussed and strategized enough on the broadcast to figure out, all right, there's not going to be any more kickoffs, so where do you spot the ball and then where do you choose to play offense or defense? So that was a little confusing. But the real interesting aspect as far as the rule change was the 4th and 15 and how often – teams after scoring a touchdown chose again there's no onside kick so hey we want the ball back either to extend the lead or get back in the ball game and fourth and 15 teams want to combine 0 for 8 on fourth and 15 and as much as I was looking forward to that just to see hey could this wind up in the preseason or even in the regular season but going back to our initial conversation when you're playing at 50 percent speed and effort how do you judge whether fourth and 15 went well because guys are throwing the ball shorts or there's a half effort at making a tackle not an effort to get the first down so it again on paper it was something I was looking forward to but you can't judge whether this is something that you want to see in the preseason or regular season based off what we saw on Sunday well I mean you're taking 11 different guys from probably nine and a half ten teams where you have your own roster it was interesting after that I think the uh, AFC scored variable wanted to uh, I think Matt LaFleur as you pointed out two minutes to go with three timeouts he decided you know what I don't. We don't. We're going to put you back on the field. Try to get a defensive stop. Yeah, that exactly. didn't work. <laughs> and I guess Vrabel told the punter like all week we're not punting. This guy said he had two hot dogs at <laughs> halftime. <laughs> it was classic. Vrabel said we're not punting. Can you imagine getting invited there? Can you just throw me a bone? Like can I punt one time? Well, you can hold on extra points. He, I he guess, did. But he, did, he had a couple holds. He said, but he did have two hot dogs at halftime. That was like his highlight. Besides. You know, getting 80, 80 grand. <laughs> yeah. Mac Jones converting on fourth and two to Najee Harris, and all of a sudden the AFC able to run out the clock, and that fourth and two conversion was worth $40,000 for the AFC yes. because they got the winner's purse versus the NFC. So Is that, that was why the, he's dancing in the end zone? Yeah. Maybe that was the only competitive nature of that game. But I am really intrigued by fourth and 15 to see if we can now get it in the preseason, which you touched on in our most recent Cardinals Cover 2 show last week. Let each team over three games in the preseason, home away, 
experiment with fourth and 15 because maybe it's not your starters, but it's your backups, guys who are trying to make a team, and you're going to have full speed. You're going to have guys go all out in the preseason, especially those players that are looking to make an impact either on their team or try to get on film and stand out for one of the other 31 teams. Well, we know you know during training camp there there's different sessions, two-minute drill, four-minute drill, red zone, uh, hurry-up offense, uh, try to get in field goal range. You know, anytime you see Andy Lee, you know, with the with the towel, um, that that's mean it's like um, – you know, kind of emergency. Everyone's got to get on the field. So to me, if you practice it, you'll get better results. And, and you know, again, the onside kick has become obsolete now. There's a couple kickers out there, Tucker, Prater, probably missing a few more uh, that can do it. But it's the way the ball is 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 made. It's not just going to go in one direction. You can you can bounce it off the ground and hope you got use some outside guys and use these your hands team. Um, but it's tough to come back in those games uh, when you're down by four and there's only, you know, again, you got to play defense, but it's, it's just tough. So I would hope they would implement it just for the preseason, but I think if teams practice on it, it would be more part of situational football. And remember, on the onside kick, you have to limit how many players you have on each side. side. You can't overload like you saw back in the day to where you've got eight guys on one side to – outnumber the opponent to try to get that football that's been outlawed yeah and if you even go back to the kickoff I mean um, you know some teams are kicking it high try to down you at the five or six yard line some are kicking it three yards out of the end zone some of these returners are returning it Um, to me if you can't get to the 25 just down it and it's easier said than done because maybe you thought you had a block um, but they you can't have the wedge anymore so to me, that was the most dangerous playing football was kickoff and kickoff return just because you got guys like Ron Wolf who run down there kamikaze style, and his job was to stay in a lane and make sure he takes care of the big guys. And So that's two things that, you know, they've cleaned the sport up when it comes to kickoff and kickoff return, but they have to find a solution to where if, you know, the onside kick is it's the percentages are very low. And, and I know it's, hey, the winning team, they, they scored more points than you got to counter. But just like the overtime, um, you know, you got to play defense. And if the Chiefs would have scored a, another touchdown like they did in overtime against the Bills, um, I think we would have looked at rule changes. You know, both teams should touch the ball. On the broadcast, they mentioned that over the last 10 years, teams have been successful converting fourth and 15 22% of the time. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a heck of a lot better percentage than teams converting an onside kick over the last several seasons. Okay, 22 is close to 25%. I got to think it's in the it's single digits when it comes to the onside kicks. Yes. So there, the, you, you could see, again, there's going to be teams that are aggressive about it, and it's not like it's fourth and 30. I mean, yes, you third and 10 is a long way. But fourth and fifteen, I got to think coaches would have something in their playbook, um, probably more passing or a screen game, or you know trying to get somebody in the open field, maybe take a shot. But yeah, it's twenty-two versus single digits is is a vast improvement to where you can actually get the ball or we'll keep s- the ball. We'll see where that is headed. I would like to see it take that next step, probably in the preseason. But it obviously was not successful 
in the Pro Bowl. Again, the NFC loses 41-35. to More up on azcardinals.com about that game and the five players, five Cardinal players involved in the 2022 Pro Bowl. Speaking of azcardinals.com, you mentioned Danny Sarek and crew in Las Vegas all week long. She had a chance to speak with, I believe, every single player but Buda Baker. Maybe that's coming, but not yet on azcardinals.com. But Kyler Murray had a chance to speak with Danny after Saturday's practice. First time we've had a chance to hear from Kyler since the season ended. Quote, we made strides throughout the three years I've been here, but we haven't reached that ultimate goal. End quote. So, yeah, he's taking the approach like I believe a lot of people are. The further we get away from that regular season, that you can see improvement. But the goal for every team is not just to make the Super Bowl, but to win the Super Bowl. And that is the goal of Kyler Murray. And it should be the goal of everyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I clearly this is the first time, and he's had plenty of time to think about what happened. Hopefully, it, it, it bothers him to where it doesn't happen again. You gotta, you gotta eat it, and you gotta learn from it. Um, but we heard this stuff last year, Craig. Uh, you know, and I, I want you know at some point I, we, referring to a team, I would like to him come out and him say, "I need to play better." For I, I make a reference to it all the time when the Chiefs were like three and four, that Wednesday practice press conference, obviously that's when the quarterbacks talked. Patrick Mahomes was asked a question and I don't know what the question was, but he said I have to play better. It starts with me. I'm the quarterback, meaning I'm the leader of this team and I know that he's a little bit older, obviously had more success than Kyler, but at some point, you know, Kyler's got to take responsibility where I could have done a lot of different things. Now the coaching staff, everyone, um, I thought the team regressed down the stretch. I mean, offense, defense, coaching. I mean, the offensive line was a strength in this goal when they were 10-2. and two. So it's just one of those deals. And, again, he's 24 years old. Um, but you see some of these young quarterbacks make these strides. And maybe, you know, I listened to Joe Burrow and a couple of his teammates this week. You know, obviously when you're in a Super Bowl, you hear a lot of things. They said he's so cool and calm and collected. He never yells. But. If there are times he needs to tell you to do something, but it's he's trying to he's trying to help you versus talk down to you, and I don't think Kyler does that. But again, if he's going to be successful in this league, he's got to be a much better leader, and he's got to take more responsibility. And hopefully, that happens. The quarterback always should accept all of the criticism and deflect all of the praise. That's what we heard from a Kurt Warner or Carson Palmer. Now, how long does it take for a quarterback to understand that, regardless of what level you're playing at? But, yeah, you are the face of the team. You're the face of the franchise. You stand up there post-game and accept whatever happened during those 60 minutes, whether it was your fault or not. That is what the quarterback does. And I think at times we saw, heard a little bit of that from Kyler Murray during the season. But to your point, I agree not enough to say, hey, look at me, learn or follow my lead, and then let's see how we can move this forward because we all want to see this moved forward, not as far as the win total, but a playoff run moved forward. I couldn't agree more with him. They definitely made progress. I think he's made progress uh, with his press conferences on Wednesdays. I think he's made progress even though – you know, he hates to lose. I'm sure everyone hates to lose once you get to this level because you work so hard during the week. But I, I think he's definitely made progress. I think he's matured, but he still has a ways to go to become that leader. And at, at some point, he's going to have to grow up and say, this is my team, and I need to take responsibility for it. But I do I do agree. 
I mean, the, the way this team was rolling, we got a chance to see it in, in training camp every day, and I think you and I were optimistic. We didn't know how many games they're going to win. Um, you know, we figured 10 or 11 based on, you know, a 17-game schedule. Um, and they put themselves in position um, to make the postseason. Now the goal is in, in year four, It's I mean, the, the, this this team could be a crossroads when it comes to the quarterback and head coach going into year four. They were hoping to see progress in year three, and they hoped the offense would have been clicking late in the year. That was the that was the the hope, and that was the goal. Well, we didn't see that. So this year, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And as you pointed out, we talked about, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And they're going to get judged on what they do in the month of December, which is kind of unfair because we got to we got to respect the process. But I understand the noise when it comes to these second half um, collapses or falls. The full interview is up on azcardinals.com. It'll give Danny credit for asking Kyler the question that we all want to know about the offseason and what he planned on working on. Quote, I wouldn't get into too much detail, but just get better. I think there are a lot of things we all need to address individually. Team-wise, we understand kind of what happened, how we get there. We've got to do it together. Obviously, everyone has to work hard individually when we come together as we've got to be ready to go because it doesn't get easier. End quotes. And some of what we heard a year ago, not wanting to get into detail. And to a certain extent, I understand keeping things behind closed doors, but this is a fan base that now wants answers and wants to know where this team is headed. You can't say wait and see. We want to know right now. That's just the way society is as well. Knowing now as opposed to, all right, well, let's see. And you go through an entire offseason, you get to the regular season, hopefully the postseason, but um, yeah, there are things that need to be worked on, but specifics. I think fans right now, MJ, want specifics to try to figure out what 2022 is going to look like. Yeah, and I think they wanted you know um, answers what would transpire at the end of the season. I, I just think you know, um, I think injuries. I think um, it definitely affected them on offense. Uh, I know you have to overcome that stuff, but you're talking about a top three receiver. The offensive line had nine different line combinations, and this happens everywhere. And and I thought they had good depth going into the season, but at times you're, you're, you're now you're down to your third or fourth corner, and that shows up, and then you had a couple of rookies that flash, but they didn't hold up throughout the season, and that's to be expected because you only play 12 or 13 games in college. Um, and, you know, sometimes they hit the wall, and sometimes Arian says, as, you know, when he was here after Thanksgiving, they're not rookies anymore. You've been here long enough. So, uh, again, it's just not one area. I mean, they got to get better in a lot of different areas. How this team looked as far as on paper in September, I think we were all encouraged, but it's how the team finished. And you brought up a good point as far as injuries, which kind of leads us into our next conversation here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And that is taking a look at the defensive back position, cornerbacks and safeties, because I can't remember if it was at the end of the first month, but the first quarter of the season, MJ, you looked at the secondary and I think the safety position was a little bit higher than the cornerbacks, but based off the numbers and some solid numbers as far as Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Marco Wilson, Robert Alford, and Byron Murphy, those five, and you called the secondary a strength of the defense. And, and it, it was early in the season. Yeah. It wasn't when the season ended. No. Well, a couple things. Um, you lose Robert Alford. Now, he was here for the majority of the season. Um, he played in 13, but obviously they missed him in both of those Rams games. You know how I feel with his physicality. Uh, Marco Wilson, 
Uh, I think it was early on where, you know, he had some confidence, but also he had Byron Murphy that teams were maybe targeting him more because Murphy obviously had a couple uh, interceptions early on. He had a couple passes defense. He, um, you know, he made a great play on the ball on Deshaun Jackson against the Rams. And then, then you look at just you know Chase Whitaker and Breon Borders. You know Whitaker played in two games. Border played in just that one game. Missed a call. There was a touchdown to um, uh, was it Odell Beckham Jr. I think that's what it was. Yeah. So and then Antonio Hamilton, he gave him a lift. But again, you're only as good as your depth. And once those guys kind of hit the wall, and, and teams were targeting Wilson and Murphy more. Um, Again, it coincides with the front seven, but I thought these guys were able to hold up, especially when the Cardinals' run defense wasn't getting gashed and they were able to get to the quarterback. It doesn't mean you have to have five or six sacks. And let's be honest, when this team was winning on the road, they were forcing turnovers. The defense, and again, it, it, it they all play off of each other. When the defensive line, the outside linebackers are getting to the quarterback, it makes things easier on the back end, but – when you're not getting to the quarterback and that quarterback has more time in the pocket to scan the defense, look for an open receiver, then you're asking these corners and safeties to play their area or play man-to-man a little bit longer, full second, half a second longer than normal, and that's difficult for any defensive back out there, even an all-pro defensive back, because if you give a quarterback enough time in the pocket, I don't care how good of a corner you are, that wide receiver is going to find a way to get open. There's no doubt. And, you know, I think that's what Chandler was talking about. He wished he was playing in the Browns game because Baker Mayfield was holding the ball. Uh, we saw a lot of these quarterbacks, even guy like P.J. Walker and, you know, Matthew Stafford and even Jimmy Garoppolo, um, even Kirk Cousins, they're getting rid of the ball 2.1, 2.5. And that's kind of the and, – and just to give you a reference point, Kyler was 3-3 in the first half of the Rams game. Obviously feeling pressure, looking at the rush, rattled, holding on to the ball, trying to make a play, uh, gave up the pick six. Now in the second half, he was 2.2. So the, the difference only is one second. But the fact is you're getting rid of the ball and guys are getting open. And, and maybe they didn't get the separation um, – and he was bailing on the pocket where early in the year he was sitting in the pocket making those tight throws down the field. Looking at this Cardinals secondary, when we talk about defense backs, cornerbacks, yeah. and safeties, yeah, it was a good start but a poor finish. And you'll just have to look at the last five games. And this, again, Bergang, and this is not all on cornerbacks and safeties, but when you talk about passing plays, passing touchdowns, you immediately go into the secondary because that's one-on-one coverage. You're, you're in zone defense and someone is getting open. Cardinals in 2021 allowed the fourth most passing touchdowns in the league, 30. But 14 of those, MJ, nearly half came over the last five games. And the big plays that we heard Kingsbury and Vance Joseph talk about, seven passing plays of 35 or more yards over those last five games. Seven. There were just six such plays in the season's first 12 games. Again, that's not all on the secondary. Edge rushers, are you getting pressure on the quarterback? Is that quarterback having enough time in the pocket? Too much time, obviously having too much time in the pocket. But the drop-off, and this goes for everyone, offense, defense, and special teams, the drop-off dramatically different in that secondary as far as what they were giving up versus what they were stopping in the first 
half of the season? Well, I think it's twofold. First of all, this team was playing with a lead. Uh, you're putting up 30 points a game, and you had over 400 yards pretty pretty much in the averaging in maybe the first month of the season. And this this Cardinals team forced a lot of turnovers on the road, um, but it came down to not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. Mar- uh, Marcus Golden maybe had one he had a sack in the in the postseason game, but he had one sack in the last five games prior to that. Chandler Jones had one sack in the last five games. Um, so to me, it's a combination where and th- there was poor tackling and guys are running free and that's miscommunication. And I don't I don't blame. Uh, Breon Borders, he just got here. He missed a call. Um, and then you look at the Derek Kennard play on the – Devon Kennard. Devon Kennard, excuse me. On the on the Rashad Penny, he takes a bad angle. Ten guys are doing their job. So I think it's a combination. They were scoring points and teams were fo- had to throw the ball. So they were forcing turnovers, getting them off the field. We know third down was much better early in the season. The red zone defense was much better in the season. It just all it, – it, it just – it wasn't the same in the second half. Um, teams are playing with the lead. Cardinals are going three and out, four consecutive three and outs in that Rams game. Deck takes you off your call sheet, and, and next thing you know, you're pressing. Um, and they weren't playing complimentary football. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors, but I do think early in the season they were outscoring teams, and that's where they were forcing turnovers. They were they were playing complimentary football. The, the defense was forced to turn them. They would score what it was a touchdown or a field goal. So, but. When you show me this stat on Friday, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, we we, we witnessed it. Obviously, some in person and some in on, on television. Fourteen over the last five games. And Craig, we talk about splash plays. Usually, they're twenty yards or more, or chunk plays. Thirty-five yards. I mean, you're talking about guys running free, wide open. So now Vance is in a situation where, hey, we want to put pressure on Matthew Stafford. We want to put pressure on Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. So. You're doing that, but also are you playing man-to-man or zone? And they did a great job against the Cowboys. I mean, they shut all three of those guys down. Gallup obviously had the touchdown towards ACL. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Schultz had a good day. Elliott did nothing. And then all of a sudden, the next week, it was the total opposite. So, um, again, I, I just think the defense took a step back the last month of the season. Trying to find some consistency. Yeah. And if you are the defensive coordinator and those position coaches, you know, what do you do? How do you react when things are going so well the first two and a half months of the season and you get into late December, early January, and there's a drop-off, a dramatic drop-off. And I do think injuries played a factor, and maybe Marco Wilson, not the single one player out, but I'm going to as far as played maybe a little bit beyond his means early in the season. And then – Team's got a read on what he could and could not do. I do think I liked what we saw out of Marco Wilson. He missed those final two games with a shoulder injury, but I'm encouraged by what we saw because we know it's in there for Marco Wilson. And Kingsbury brought that up at his end-of-season press conference, asked about Wilson as far as his struggles because he did miss the regular season but did play in that wild-card game and struggled a lot. But according to Kingsbury, quote, it's an opportunity to grow a lot as far as learning from those mistakes, and you hope that Wilson now going into year two, considering how much he played, started 13 of the 14 games he played, and how much of an improvement do we see out of Marco Wilson, specifically a young corner in what is a pretty strong, dare I say, the best division in all of football, depending on what happens here this offseason, but you need 
strong cornerback play to win in the National Football League. Yeah, just look at the skill position players. We don't need to go through the list. I mean, each team has a couple guys, and Robert Woods is going to come back. We'll see what happens with Beckham. But, yeah, I mean, it, I, you know, going into the season, you know, I had tweeted out, you know, the Cardinals have five or six guys that are 25 years old, and, you know, the future looks bright. And, you know, I'm not – I'm not down on Byron Murphy, but when we talk about all these guys, Craig, it's, you know, and I'll give Marco Wilson and rookies and maybe a second-year guys a little bit benefit of the doubt. But um, it's the consistency part. And once you become a number one or two cornerback, especially in this uh, in this defense, if you're number two, you're going to get targeted. And every team has three wide receivers now. So let me ask you this. Do they have a number one corner on this roster? It's a – very good question, and my immediate response is no, based off of how the season ended. Now, if you ask me that week eight, I'd say yeah, because number-wise, Byron Murphy was playing very well. He finished with four interceptions and 12 passes defense. Both marks led the team. In fact, they were career best marks for Byron Murphy. Yet, how many of those interceptions and passes defense happened late in the year? Only four passes defense over the last nine games for Byron Murphy. So that leads me to believe that, yeah, this is a need because what happens with Robert Alford? He's an unrestricted free agent. We both on the record saying, yeah, love to see him come back, depending on how much that's going to cost. Yeah, he's up there in age, but when he's been healthy and it's only been one season, he's been very, very good. This team needs to address the cornerback position. Is that a number one or is that just – one of your top three, because is Murphy – now another question, MJ. Is Byron Murphy better suited to play outside or inside? And that's something that this coaching staff and maybe even Murphy's got to have a, a little heart-to-heart, look himself in the mirror, say, all right, where am I most effective? We've heard he's in the slot. But your number one wide receivers, nine times out of ten, are on the outside, unless you're Cooper Cut and you move all the way around. But Yeah, in the perfect scenario, you would like to have Wilson and Alford on the outside and Murphy now – um, he played a ton of snaps, so when I look at your uh, notes here, most targeted DB on the team allowed the fifth highest completion percentage, 65. That kind of goes back to his first year was even worse. Um, yeah, he, he, he again, um, I know the confidence is there. I thought he became more of a physical player, but, you know, the way I look at this, Craig, and I know we're talking about the defensive backs and corners. I mean, I, I, I think just defensively, interior defensive line, cornerback, um, pass rusher, and then maybe some depth at inside linebacker. But at 23, you've got a lot of choices. And, you know, just watching the senior bowl, there's there's some really good corners out there, and they're they're about six feet. They're, they're long, and sometimes you like that 5'11 guy. Matter of fact, I read something um, this morning. Half of the DBs that are in the Pro Bowl are under six feet, under six feet. So, like Buda Baker, he's a cannon. I mean, he plays safety, though, versus, you know, yeah, but I, I definitely think corner, and I just don't know, you know, when it comes to the salary cap and how much money they'll have to spend in different positions. I don't know if you can go out and sign a big-time corner. I think you got to try to develop one. And, again, whoever that guy is, you like to, you like to get a veteran guy in here to compete, like a Breon um, – uh, Breland, um, Breon Borders, yeah, or Brashad Breland, Breland, yeah. I mean that that's a late addition just because he has experience, been in the league. But um, I would say at this point in time, whether they trade down, I don't see him trading up. Uh, I think everything's on the table, and we'll have to wait with this doing free agency because that will dictate what they do. But I definitely think corner is a must playing in this division, 
And the fact is, if you're not scoring 30 points a game and putting up 400 yards, you're going to have to be tightened up on the secondary, and you can't be giving up 25, 30 points a game. Some names to throw out there as far as pick number 23 and some of the bigger draft prospects as far as first-round talents. LSU's Derek Stingley Jr., Cincinnati's Ahmed Gardner, Washington's Trent McDuffie, of course, Washington known for its defensive back play, and then free agency. You know, do you go out and spend money on a J.C. Jackson out of New England who made the Pro Bowl and played very, very well. Darius Williams, who's 28, playing for the Rams in the Super Bowl. Or do you look for an older cornerback? Stephon Gilmore is going to be a unrestricted free agent. Bryce Callahan from the Denver Broncos, 30 years old. Steven Nelson of the Eagles, 29 years old. Casey Howard, 32 years old. So there is a range on the free agent market from 25 to about 32, but how much money do you want to put at that position? I do think if you can find a number one corner out there, you might want to invest in a number one, and then that puts Spyro Murphy maybe back into the slot. Marco Wilson plays the other corner spot. But again, this team in 2021, as far as defensive back play and cornerbacks play, pay, play specifically, the drop-off happened significantly when Robert Alford went down. And you can never plan for injuries, so you need good depth. And maybe the Cardinals didn't have as much as they needed, but certainly that is something that every team and every general manager will look back and say, what if, especially when you're hit at a certain position significantly when it comes to lost games because of injury. Yeah, when I look at this draft, um, first of all, we know it's how deep the tight end position is, but I think interior line, Interior line on both sides of the ball, corner, pass rusher, and wide receiver. And you can make a case the Cardinals can check all those boxes, whether it's in free agency, whether it's re-signing their own player, whether it's a trade, or obviously going to draft a player. But um, it'll be interesting to see you know, how many pass rushers come off the board, how many quarterbacks come off the board. Obviously, you could see a tight end or two. Um, and then you'll start to see a run at a certain position because I do think there's some really good left tackles now. I don't think the Cardinals are in, in uh, um, you know, you, again, you can never have enough linemen with Beecham under contract, and we'll see who the future right tackle is. DJ obviously can up. Uh, uh, but I, I, we're going to see some tackles come off the board, and that will that will s- slide some guys down at different positions. But there's always going to be a run at a certain position at some point in the draft, and you just hope you're in it. So cornerback certainly a yes. position of need. As far as safeties, I really like what the Cardinals have with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. And Thompson stayed healthy. 17 games he was on the field for every single game, and that is big. But when you look behind your team captain and Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, James Wiggins, Javon Hagan, who was signed to a futures deal, Chris Banjo, Charles Washington, both of those players, unrestricted free agents, and more special teams players than anything else. But safety, I could see a position, not free agency, first wave, second wave, or maybe even in the draft, first or second day, but a position that they look at to find someone behind a Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson because right now Deontay Thompson just he hasn't been that guy yet. In fact, he only played 71 defensive snaps. He was mainly a special teams player. 
Yeah, and clearly they have their starters, and 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 I'm intrigued with Wiggins. We just haven't had a chance to see him, and you know he's kind of buried. We know Chris Banjo's a special teams player, so if you're a backup, you're going to have to play on teams in order to dress on game day. So that that will always be the role there. And Charles Washington obviously wasn't able to contribute as much as he has in the past because he's a good special teams player too. Wiggins is an interesting one. The late round draft pick. He's got good size, five eleven, two oh nine. Didn't make the team coming out of training camp. Started the season on the practice squad. Did find himself in three games, but then ended the year on injured reserve. So very limited role for James Wiggins. What is his motivation? What does he do here taking that next step from rookie season to year two? Can he be a factor where maybe he supplants Deontay Thompson as that third safety? Special teams. You have to be able to play special teams, be active on Sunday, and then be available to play on defense. Yeah, and and so again, it, it, and you look across the board. Usually, you have two or three corners or starters, depending on. Usually, teams are going seventy percent eleven personnel. That three wide receivers, one tight and one back, and then you want to you want to have at least four or five or six uh, when it comes to playing on teams. And, and you know, Chris Banjo's a guy. If somebody gets hurt, he gets a chance to play. Um, you know, normally it would have been Deontay Thompson there. Um, Kevin Peterson got a chance to play this year with injuries. Um, right now he's not on the roster. So, yeah, if, if you're not starting clearly, you know, that's where Jeff Rogers has a role. How can you use them? And you look at v- Victor DiMacchi, um, he wasn't getting a lot of play on time on defense until late in the year, but he really covered out his niche on special teams, and that means you're going to be dressing on game day. So um, I think that – I think. You know, right? You you can go right now with Marco Wilson and and Byron Murphy. Add to it uh, a draft pick and a veteran guy. Try to bring Alford back, and then add some depth to the safety position behind the starters. You also have, as far as cornerbacks, Breon Borders, Nate Brooks, and Jace Whitaker all signed to future contracts. And Whitaker has been one of those players, a former U of A Wildcat, that has flashed, has seen some time, and one of those players that has been protected a bunch when he's been on the practice squad. So that tells me you don't want to lose him, but you're looking to develop him. 5'11", 185, he's got the height, maybe not the – 185 doesn't sound like a lot. Byron Murphy's 190, but how does that look on you? Where is that distributed on you? And I think he can get a little bit stronger as far as Jace Whitaker is concerned. But defensive backs – Ten players right now under contract, four unrestricted free agents, two on either side as far as cornerbacks and safeties. Robert Alford, Antonio Hamilton, plus Chris Banjo and Charles Washington. Those are your unrestricted free agents when you look at the secondary position. Yeah, and, and as you pointed out, Banjo played 16 games, core special teams player. Charles Washington played in 10, and I thought definitely missed him on special teams. Um, but those are other guys that stepped up. Um, again, it's just more about tweaking here. It's more you don't need a you don't need to start over and hit the reset button. There's they have capable guys on this roster, starting with Buddha and Jalen Thompson. That's probably the strength of their defense. You have to get more consistency out of Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson. Um, but to me, you have to add to this position to create more depth and more competition and let the best five or six guys make the roster. The back end of the defense, safety, the strength. Because you have a all pro and you have Jalen Thompson, I don't think gets enough credit. Now it's 
everyone in front of them doing their jobs. So you're not asking a Buda Baker and a Jalen Thompson to be everywhere on the football field where nine times out of ten they have been because someone didn't do their job or was beaten on a specific play. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I looked at the numbers. Jalen Thompson, you know, 100 tackles, you, you know, when you look at him, you, you can compare him to some of the other safeties in the league, and he probably doesn't get in the same breath as those guys. And, um you know, I, I like the way he approaches it. I like his practice habits. He talks about going out there and, you know, what you do during the week is going to carry over to game. And he has made some bonehead penalties. Um, so, to me, he's, he's, he's a guy you can build around. And I think, you know, I think locally we think, you know, you start looking at the ages and what those guys provide for the defense. Um, they're two keepers in my opinion. Real quick, and we'll get more into this later in the week, but as we sit here on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Super Bowl 56, which way is Mike Jarecki going to go? Won't hold you to it. That'll come later in the week. But right now, what do you think? Well, well, first of all, um, I want to give Cincinnati a lot of credit because nobody picked them, and that's the beauty of football. I think it's the best reality show going. And I was, my concern going into the previous game was the Bengals' offensive line. Now, he gets rid of the ball pretty quick. Um, obviously, he's got weapons. Uh, Jamar Chase winning a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups. they got a nice running game with Joe Mixon. Um, they have other receivers in, in T. Higgins. I just wonder, I'll take the Rams' defensive line pass rush against their secondary. Can Burrow get the ball out quick enough because, you know, Aaron Donald, this is the only thing he's missing. And, you know, Matthew Stafford turned 34 today and, and obviously would really, um, you know, have a nice little feather in the cap by winning a Super Bowl, going to a new team, the reason why they went out and got him. Um, I just want to see, I just want to see a good game. But if, if there's one area where I think um, the Rams can excel, and that, that is their, their front seven against that line where Joe Burrow will not be able to make those down-the-field throws. All right, Burr gang, we'll see if Mike Jarecki's opinion changes as we get closer and closer to Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll really discuss this matchup a little bit more in depth. But uh, we'll let MJ marinate on that and kind of look ahead and really do a deep dive on the Bengals and Rams matchup. Again, it's going to be difficult for a lot of fans, myself included, to watch another NFC West team in that game on Sunday. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.